welcome to the How Great Events Happen podcast. I'm Cody. And I'm Brooke, and we're coming to you today from our respective home offices in Portland, Oregon. You went to the new CNET Mix and Meet virtual meetings, right? Oh my gosh, I did. It was so cool to talk to other like-minded individuals in the events industry. So many people showed up, and I just had a really great time virtually meeting with them and sharing ideas and anecdotes about you know, how we're all faring in these new work environments. Well, guess what I just heard? Oh my gosh, what? The April sessions were such a great success that we're continuing to offer our C-Event Mix and Meet series in May. Mix and Meets are an informal virtual meetup where meeting and event professionals come together to talk, connect, and network. These are really cool open forum discussion-based meetups. That is so awesome. Now, how do I sign up? Well, our next round of meetups will be taking place in early May and more information will be coming soon. To check out topics and register for a mix and meet, visit cvent.com slash mix and meet to save your spot. That's cvent.com slash mix and meet. Well, I will definitely be there and I hope to see you all there too. And we are joined today by Sheriff Karamat, President and CEO of PCMA, to talk about our current state of affairs in the meetings and hospitality industry. He has some incredible insights that you won't want to miss. That's right. So let's get to the conversation with Sheriff. Sheriff, thank you so much for joining. Brooke and Cody, thank you very much. Delighted to be here. Of course. Um, We'll go ahead and dive right in. Can you give us a little bit of background on how you ended up at PCMA and your journey to becoming the CEO? You know, it is a long story, but I'll tell you, um, I never thought I would be in the business events space or the meetings industry. I always wanted to be in uh, um, marketing and uh, be a CMO for a baseball franchise or a sports franchise. Um, but obviously, uh, that didn't work out the way I had planned. And, um, and one thing led to another. But the owner of, uh, I started out in the soccer team, and the owner of that soccer team actually owned uh, nine hotels. And that led me into the hotel business that led me to the CVB business. Unlike the current uh, situation we're in, COVID-19, it's interesting that you asked me that question because back in 2003, there was something called SARS and a different type of coronavirus. And that virus led uh, me to PCMA, actually to work for PCMA because uh, uh, the CEO, then CEO of PCMA um, came uh, to my city and, and, uh, and offered to help, help me with uh, SARS. And, and, and following SARS, uh, he offered me a role at, at PCMA. So that started the journey at PCMA. I was uh, vice president of sales and sponsorship. That then led to me becoming the COO of PCMA. And during the course of um, being the COO, I was very instrumental in, in crafting a new strategic plan and a new global vision for organization. And, and after, at that time, our then CEO decided to leave and, um, and uh, I, was, uh, I was selected as the candidate to run the organization. And I was pleased to because it was building on the strategy and the vision that we had developed. So um, uh, it was just a natural fit for me anyway. That's such an interesting journey. I feel like every time we talk to people in the, the planning or the meeting space, they all have kind of a crazy way of how they got there. Um, I love that it came from the sports. Um, and we are obviously familiar with PCMA. A lot of our listeners are as well. We've been hearing about the Digital Experience Institute um, for a while now. Tell us a little bit about PCMA's Digital Experience Institute, but 
Also curious about how its mission has changed, especially over the past eight or so weeks. Yeah, you know, you're asking such interesting questions and, and timing uh, makes it quite interesting. I'll tell you first and foremost, uh, we always felt that digital extensions of events was critically important. I'll talk to you a bit about that in a moment. But um, the first thing, um, it, ten, 10 years ago, we uh, PCMA bought a company called the Virtual Edge Institute that we um, uh, ultimately changed its name to the Digital Experience Institute, uh, um, DEI. And, um, and 10 years ago, our annual event, Convening Leaders, was in Las Vegas. And when we were in Las Vegas, the following year, we were going to San Diego. And uh, Las Vegas was the first year we did live stream in a digital event. When we uh, went to San Diego, our attendance grew by 10%. And our costs were, were, were much higher, but our attendance still grew by 10%. And 90% uh, of the growth in attendance, uh, they told us that our attendance grew because they saw us on a digital platform. And that was really interesting. So it really made PCMA start investing um, in digital events. So I wanna give you an analogy, Brooke, and um, just because uh, before I answer the second part of your question, I wanna give you an analogy and I'm gonna go back to sports. And let's think of baseball and I'll use Chicago. So forgive me because you're from Oregon, but I'm gonna use Chicago and the Cubs. And imagine that the stadium is 60,000 or 80,000, right? And imagine that's all you could hold, right? Then you would only have an, a base of 80,000 to work with. So think of a convention center or hotel that can hold 25,000, 10,000, or 500, if that's all they could do. If the event organizer, that's all they could do. It would be very limiting. But now think of a, the, the same baseball stadium or the same convention center with 80,000 fans, but then you stream it to 80 million. And you, and, and you broadcast it to 80 million. Well, what is different about that is that there are people who organize the physical game, the players, the umpires, uh, the fans that come to the game and so forth. But, but if you want to take that to a different audience, an online audience, a, a viewing audience, you have to be very, very different. You've got to have announcers, broadcasters, instant replay, color commentator, production, uh, camera crews and so forth, and a very, very different skill set. Well, you, you need to think of all those things. And the same, it's not about just taking the physical game and put it online. If you didn't have all those enhancements, the game would be very different. Chances are it might not be exciting to watch. So PCMA over the past two months have gone through that very much the same way. Uh, teaching people how to um, do effective uh, online events and digital events and everything from podcasts to, to, um, to online events. Um, it's a skill. It's using different techniques. And it's also make, trying to make that as engaging as possible and, and, and two-way, multiple ways as possible. So PCM has fast-tracked many of its programs over the past two months. Um, instead of these long courses, we really fast-track them, use a lot more video, a lot more interactivity, induced AI and AR into, the, um, into our programs to allow for better engagement, a better interaction, more, more hands-on time so that people can engage in the material and actually upskill as quickly as possible. The result has been very, um, very surprisingly good. 
in, in the sense that um, we are seeing people from around the world um, getting involved and, uh, and even organization-wide, um, they're getting involved in, in the course material so that they can, they can, I hate the dreaded P word these days, but they can pivot their organizations as quickly as possible. Yes, we've been using the P word quite a bit recently, haven't we? <laughs> we all have. I'm trying to figure out a different word from the pivot word, but. Yeah. <laughs> I love that analogy you just gave about the, you know, uh, the baseball game. I mean, that's something that everybody can relate to. You go to a baseball game and it's one experience, but the reach that you get is really limited. And by broadcasting it and thinking about it kind of from an event production standpoint, that's when you get a different experience but it's also, you know, this cool baseball game that we're all here to see in the first place. I just love that analogy. Um, I was hoping you could talk to us a little bit more about how the pandemic has accelerated our industry's move to a dual offering with the digital and in-person event production. You know, um, you, let me answer that in a couple of ways. One is that certainly what I've found the pandemic has done, it's made us more open to failures, made us more open to changes, and more accepting of people trying different things. Uh, so you, they've been more liberty in allowing organizations and individuals to take chances and risks to try something new to engage audiences. So it certainly has allowed that. Um, you think of this, um, today you're running at 100 miles per hour and suddenly you're no longer able to run, but you still need to go somewhere. Or you, you, know, you, you have to go from point A to point B, but you can no longer do it in the traditional means. Our traditional means was very much face-to-face, -face, and that was completely cut off, not by anyone's choice. But what it did was force you to look at other mediums and look at ways, other ways of engaging. We as human beings, um, we like community, we like engagement, we like belonging, and we like social interactions. And so subsequently, we had to quickly, um, we, we had to quickly do that. I, 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 I would say this, um, that's been sort of a catalyst or a, it's, it was an, a point in time that allowed us to do that uh, quicker. However, I do believe that if you think of people's pain points, the consumer pain points and the customer pain points, those things should, that should be digitized should have already been digitized. And, and the, the reality is that we've taken way too long. And actually what we could have done is grown our audience even considerably bigger and face-to-face -face much bigger because when you take things on a digital format, you're exposing your products, your services, and your industries to such greater audiences um, than you would have ever imagined. So I just think as, as dire as these times are with, with sort of the, the human uh, healthcare toll that's had on the entire world, I think there's opportunities that have come to sort of say for companies, for individuals to open up um, in an era when, we, when we've got many of the tools now to access or access digital platforms. I like, I like what you said there about we should 
probably have been doing this anyway, right? <laughs> so this is kind of just getting us there probably a little bit quicker. And it's true, you know, we're trying different things. We're all getting really creative, but there is this capacity for failure or maybe it's not as exactly smooth as we would want it to be, but we all know we're just trying to trying some of these new things. And so, you know, um, let me, um, let me jump in here and say this, um, you know, there is, there, there's something actually very raw and real about this environment that if it's too scripted, too uh, choreographed, it is not viewed as authentic. And this is also allowing for that sort of experimentation. People want to see the realness in us because that's what endeared face-to-face -face with all of us. And so there is just, you know, seeing someone from in their home environments, in real environments, understanding that, you know, when we're all buttoned up and we're all nicely dressed up, you know, we've got different sides to our personalities and you're seeing this sort of broader perspective that's allowing for a much more, I think, getting to know each other and engaging experiences. I think all of that is contributing to this kind of environment that we're living in with the, the more broader acceptance of these different technologies. You really hit home with that, Sheriff, because I mean, we're even thinking about the podcast. Never in a million years were Cody and I going to get on camera, even when we were in our office and we were, you know, dressed for work. But there is this new way of reaching our audiences now, and video is becoming very popular when we're all stuck at home. And so now we have opened it up, and it's like, I'm in my home office right now, you know, so it is, it is this kind of like, we've always needed to do it and it is um, really real and unscripted. And I think people appreciate that. So. And it's working too. I feel yeah. like we are doing our podcast and, you know, my cat is jumping up behind me and that's giving a, you know, an air of, of, of realism, I guess. So I love that point too. I did want to shift though, Sheriff, and ask you about our hospitality side of, of the industry. Um, one of the things that you do offer is a global perspective of the meetings in the hospitality industry. So how has the relationship between the planner and supplier changed from a global viewpoint? Well, I, I think that going back to the last question about this idea of us, um, um, there, is a, an, there is a more openness to work things out right now. Um, I would say one thing if I could if I could think of what has happened to all of us, is every side of this business, whether you're an event organizer or a supplier side from say the hospitality industry, everyone is impacted by this business, um, by, by COVID. And it's, it's, been, it's, been, it's been a profound impact. And so it's not just one side of the business that's hurting. So what I am seeing is greater, greater, greater collaboration amounts the different entities to come up with um, solutions to everyone being uh, hurt at the same time. So I'm seeing greater collaboration. I'm also seeing that different cities around the world are at different stages of the virus and certain cities are starting to come out of it. So seeing that how you work with each other. So um, right now, let's look at, um, we've got hotels, we've got airlines, we've got airports, we've got convention centers, we've got all sorts of different chains of, 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 of the supply chain um, and that are impacted. In certain areas, uh, international flights are completely stopped, right? 
um, people were booked flights on those international flights for the future. I, I am seeing greater cooperation between those that book their flights and the airlines. I'm seeing the same with the hotels and event organizers. I'm seeing the same with convention centers and their abilities. So that, that is happening, that's one. Two is that I have, um, like we use the metaphor uh, or the comparison for sports, I think our hotels or convention centers um, should not be afraid of um, digitization. The minute that they're afraid of digitization, they will lose because they're trying to control the end consumer. Um, what this is, you if you would make a, a comparison between Blockbuster and Netflix, uh, would be um, something to think about. But if you look at if you look at hotels that I and use that comparison, or convention centers or airlines helping uh, organizers to, to facilitate digital extensions of their events and digital experiences along with the face. It will actually grow face-to-face, -face, which will bring back the business faster, which, was, which is counterintuitive. But I feel the more we embrace um, digital, the faster we will get back to face-to-face. -to -face. So I'm, I'm actually seeing increased collaboration here all around. That's really interesting. This is kind of the first time we've heard that. We've been hearing it from the planning side a lot, you know, thinking about those hybrid kind of experiences. But I like this approach of the, the hotels and the spaces, the convention centers themselves, starting to have those conversations with the planners and collaborating on that. Well, think about that, Brooke, uh, the opportunity and to Cody's question, which is going to add is um, think about uh, the fact that hotels and convention centers can actually increase their services towards a client to ensure that that you can actually broaden that audience so it's it's even an additional offering that they could provide with the expertise that they may have so i just think that if you think about digitization the one thing that it is doing it is allowing for a tremendous amount more of of um uh, transparency or data intelligence, which is providing better uh, service for the end user. If, if the suppliers can help in that format, everyone will win. I think the other thing that you're seeing, and to go back to the original question, is you're seeing a level of operational transparency now more than ever. And this is, that's a phrase I took from Delta Airlines, uh, this notion of operational transparency, because for you to gain comfort in things, um, there has to be much more transparency on how, you, how you're addressing safety concerns and health concerns. So I'm seeing the supply side being much more operationally transparent on what they're doing to put the client and the, um, the end user at ease or being comfortable with the fact that I don't want to feel safe. I want to know that I will be safe. That is the question on everybody's mind. When we start going back to these venues, how do we stay safe? And those are really where the conversations are going. I'm sure you're hearing that a lot from your PCMA members um, and leaders as well. And I know you guys are doing a lot for your members at this time. Can you tell us a little bit about PCMA's approach to helping their members through these you know, COVID situations? Well, the, the first, when we started out with this and when this happened, you know, we had the best first quarter in our history. 
And then, then this happened. So it was really, really uh, um, ironic. Uh, the first thing we started was the PCMA said uh, at the very uh, beginning of COVID, back in February, actually, we said that we will be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. And it was important for us because I think that if we were part of the solution, the faster we will get out of at least a health um, uh, care issue. And that was to ensure that our healthcare workers, our first responders, and our frontline employees are safe and healthy so they can take care of the rest of us. And if we do that and we're disciplined about that, we should be able to get out of this faster. Then there was the economic uh, uh, crisis and the psychological impact on everyone. So all these things are happening simultaneously and we've got to deal with all of them. We started though with the healthcare um, uh, uh, situation and what we did was webinars with um, um, doctors from infectious disease and from the CDC and the Mayo Clinic, really bringing um, candid conversation about safety and about getting together. That was the first thing we started doing. And then we, um, and from there, we started looking at other things. And that is that how can we help uh, with business sustainability? And how can we help um, our members and customers uh, um, continue with business, uh, uh, with their business? And at the same time, knowing that they had to make some very tough decisions on employment and their teams and so forth. And then the third part of that, we, we actually did a whole series of surveys, um, gathering intelligence and then taking it back out to them. We also have done six think tanks um, um, and to talk about uh, uh, live experiences in the post-COVID world, talk about business continuity and new business models, and, and, and also to speak about digital extensions and digital events and how you may be able to um, engage your audiences during this time. So we've been doing all of those things. In addition, we've hired a company um, um, to do scenario planning that our foundation has funded that research. And that research will come out um, very early June um, on scenario planning, depending on the scenario, what our members and customers might be doing. So we, all of these are series of things that we are doing. Um, and first and foremost, we say that um, um, we've got to ensure that our end users are confident again in their safety, in their health, and I'm going to give them the ability to be able to feel confident that they can attend uh, events. And so it's a series of things that we're doing. Of course, um, training them in digital events is, is, is one of those. I think that the moment we can finally get everybody comfortable with finally getting back into live events is going to be the key to really seeing this whole thing turn around. You mentioned that you uh, were involved with some surveys in the think tank. What trends did you see? I know you said it's going to come out in June, but you know, what emerging trends do you see in the next six or 12 months? Um, a couple of things, and this is an, a really interesting question, Cody. Um, there is, there is, I see about three to five stages of this, um, of us emerging from COVID. Uh, the, the, the first is that, um, um, the first trend I see is that it's expediting what should have already been di um, digitized. So that's the first thing. So things that should have been digitized will be digitized. There's no, no reason to lament about what has been digitized. Actually, that will be the benefit. The second trend is that face-to-face -face events, the experiences will truly have to be meaningful. 
um, in order for people to engage in them because they're, they are questioning. Um, the third is that I believe the world is becoming, leaders, organizations are becoming more trusting of employees working in remote locations. And that working in remote locations um, has this um, potential of having a profound impact on commercial real estate. Um, so we, that is news still to come on what, where that might end up. But because of working in remote locations, and because we might be doing that more so, say, say 20, 30% of our society moves to remote location. I think ironically and maybe, maybe paradoxically, um, it might lead to the, a greater demand to face-to-face -to -face interactions. And so that is counterintuitive, but you need to think about that. Now I talked about steps. There will be steps, what we're seeing, and in the short term, where we would want to meet, but not, there's a healthcare, there's a financial um, issue, and then there's also government restrictions and regulations that will come into play and in how we get back into um, this environment. So the first thing, let's just assume that we are coming to grips with the healthcare crisis, okay? That's the first one. That will, in the short term, it will have certain regulations as in terms of physical distancing and, and so forth. Um, the second part, until a vaccine is found. The second part is that regardless of the fact of if there's a vaccine that's found or we're coming uh, to grips with the healthcare crisis, there's a financial crisis that we've all gone through. And that is, do, do we have the, the resource, financial resources to go on that trip? Is your company going to be prepared to send 10 people on that trip or, or instead of 10, they send two or one? So that has a, an impact on how you will organize an event. The third is the government regulations and um, an impact that it has on businesses where uh, in the short term, things might be more local. There might not be flights from say California to Barcelona um, or Los Angeles to Barcelona. There might just be flights in domestic US and Canada and, and domestic Europe and Great Britain and uh, across Asia or just certain Asian countries. So you might see very localized, regionalized events to start before things open up. And it might open up like you see uh, the, the situation in New Zealand and Australia, where they're thinking of forming a dual country bubble for, for uh, cross-border activity. So there's, there's, a, there's a few complexing things that are happening. And at the same time, there are things that you can see how you can then organize your events based on what, what is happening. Now, there is a part of your question that I don't think that we're answering as yet. And that is, how has your and my behavior changed as consumers because of what, has, what COVID has done? And that's, that's something is a bit more elusive to talk about behavioral change and the impact that may have on a long-term impact on the business event space. And I don't have that crystal ball, so I wish I could tell you.
I feel like there are some changes that are happening to us, but I don't know what they are yet. I just feel like we'll discover that when the dust settles, maybe. Like, we'll have to have a retrospective analysis as to what's happening right now. Um, Sheriff, this has been such a cool conversation, and there's a lot of stuff that I've learned on here. If you had to leave our event professionals with just one takeaway or piece of advice, what would that be? Well, I, I've always said that um, we react to things that are drop, dropped at us. It's a shock, right? But the most profound impact on human beings never happens in an instant of a moment. It actually takes a long time. And the reason being, I feel we humans as a species are not capable, capable of handling profound change. And we have to, we have to it, it's gradually introduced to us. So I firmly believe as shocking and as devastating a healthcare crisis that COVID-19 is, it actually prepares us for a different future as a species, as, a, as human beings. And so I, I would say that what we have to do is we have to make sure we learn and we do not go back to being the same who we are. If we, we, as dire and as devastating this has been in human lives, if we did not take this opportunity to learn, grow, and change our ways, we would have squandered a, a gift um, as devastating as it has been to us to change our ways for a better, brighter tomorrow. So I'm asking not to react, but think about what is happening to us and respond carefully and think about what, what future lies and how you will better be able to serve the people that you're trying to serve in your business or personally. I know that every one of us as consumers, as individuals, human being is being impacted by this crisis. And every one of us are, have had to adapt our ways um, whether it's being at home, working from home, being with our families all the time, that is, that is a very big shift. But if we have learned nothing from that experience, then I think we would have squandered a great opportunity. Yeah, a little uh, silver lining to everything that's happening right now. And I just love the way that PCMA has really been a true partner for the events industry through all of this. Um, can you just give us quickly how our audience could become more involved with PCMA? Thank you for asking. I feel like it's a shameless plug, but not at all. <laughs> I, 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 uh, PCMA is a family, and I do believe that everyone in this business events industry, I, I, I say this and I say this with, with such passion, is that the business events industry drives economic and social transformation. We can define our future. We can define a better future for our world or society or companies and for our children and grandchildren. That's up to us. And I think that, um, and, and this is about community, um, getting involved with PCMA is simple as going on our website at www.pcma.org. Um, there are various communities on so many different things. There's uh, community conversations with our board members, there are webinars, there are all sorts of different chat groups uh, to help us navigate this time. But I'm telling you, this is a short-term shock. 
and the, the, to me, the real beauty on getting together and as a community around common interests that we may have um, is to shape a different tomorrow for all of us. I, I invite people. Um, PCMA is a member-based organization, and it's also people. Anyone can be a part of the PCMA community. You don't have to be a member. Um, uh, just, just get involved. And um, and if you've got ideas, we are listening. We are prepared to listen to those ideas. Um, we will get through this. This is not. This is not a, an option. We will get through it what to me would be a disaster for us is to not learn from it so that we can have a brighter tomorrow. We have to learn that uh, things, and I, I, I may be going on a bit too long in this explanation, but I will tell you this. Um, in 9-11, when 9-11 happened, horrific criminal activity, terrorist activity, what happened was you and I did not want us uh, stop wanting to fly but we want we did not want to stop going from from la to new york um we wanted to travel but we wanted to know we had we could travel uh, uh safely and there were all sorts of different industries that started up from uh, trusted traveler programs to clear and nexus and all these different programs that that came about uh, but also all sorts of different technologies and so forth to make us be safe when we're traveling. We need to learn and grow from this and understand that uh, much new industries are going to be born from, from this uh, that's happened to us. And, and the PCMA community is there and we, wanna, we want you to join and be a part of it. That is such an awesome and inspiring message. I love that the whole theme of this is just, we need to look around and we need to take the lessons from this. It'd be a real shame if we went through this and didn't learn any lessons. So Sheriff, thank you so much for joining today's very special edition video cast. Wow, that was so great to hear Sheriff's fresh perspective on the meetings and hospitality industry in the current situation. I know. I really loved how we emphasized taking the importance of the learnings of this time and really applying it going forward. That's right. And for our listeners, to get more episodes and exclusive content, head on over to cvent.com slash podcast. You can check out the episode description for a link to additional resources. And if anyone out there has important information to share about the current events landscape, please let us know by emailing us at podcast at cvent.com. We would love to have you on the show. Before you know it, we'll have another great episode. So we'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye.